based on the information contained with our interviews with witnesses and the investigations made, she was acting on her own free will in our opinion. Up in Hillsborough, California, hearing their daughter described no longer as a witness but as a criminal now, the Hursts had this to say. I just hope everybody will remember that physically Patty is still a kidnapped victim. She was taken away against her will. And psychologically, she's a victim of thought control by terrorists. I hope she'll give herself up and come home. She is believed still in or around Los Angeles. Police, for the last couple of days, have been moving from stakeout to stakeout, following one lead, then another, trying to find her and the few other SLA members who remain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. I'd like to welcome you to another exciting edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. How are you today, Holly? I'm doing well. How are you enjoying the Symbionese Liberation Army so it far? Is, it is my passion. It is. Your <laughs> <laughs> is your passion buck and filled? Yes, with the SLA. Well, guys, we hope you're enjoying our podcast so far. We hope we're giving you plenty of information. We hope that you are being uh, uh, the mind is being tingled and you're actually Googling some of this stuff. Uh, we do look forward to your feedback, guys. Uh, in order to do that, we must hear from you, of course. Uh, we have a couple of things here. If you can hit us up on Facebook, our fan book, our fan page on Facebook. Say that five times fast. Uh, Colts Coffee and Conversation. Of course, we have our Instagram at Colts Coffee Convo. Then, of course, we have the Twitter machine uh, at Colts Coffee Con 1. That is Colts Coffee Con, C-O-N, 1. And, of course, we do have our email address as well, which is coltscoffeeconvo at gmail.com. And, of course, we do have our audio. Yes, our audio. You make a voice memo, and you can send it straight to our Gmail account. And also on Anchor, if you listen on Anchor, there is a button to push where you can push feedback, and it'll come straight to us. Yes. So please give us the feedback. It helps with the algorithm. They do have to keep pushing up, up those charts. We need it. We're desperate. Please leave yourself a lovely note. Give us some feedback, please. And uh, also our disclaimer here, we're just uh, normal, regular people. We have regular jobs. This is all entertainment purposes only. And we're entitled to our opinions. Is that right, Holly? I believe so. That's right. Okay. So, are you ready to get into more of the SLA, or also known as the Symbionese Liberation Army? I am ready. Alrighty, let's do this. So, where we left off last week... Oh, wait a second. What? Oh, yes. Go ahead. Well, we do love our cults. Yes, we do. We have our conversation. Yeah, but we forgot about our coffee. Forgot about the third C. Actually, the middle C. Yes. All right. Well, Holly, what are you enjoying today? Well, I have my Spanish latte. Ooh, you copycat. Or am I copying you? Doesn't matter. I let you order first, so technically I'm copying. I'm also, too, having a Spanish latte. Thank you, The Drip. Not a sponsor, but we do love your delicious Spanish lattes. Located on the corner of Harbor. And Chapman in Fullerton. Mmm, yes. And so, Carl, I did want to say something. Yes. This is a um, this is a re a re podcast. A re recording. Yes, yeah, a re recording. Yes, that is correct. Because we, if you guys have noticed on our Facebook page and also on Instagram, and of course we did drop a audio uh, version as well. Uh, we were at the Drip in Fullerton, actually enjoying our delicious coffee, and we of course we did a live in front of a 
patio audience? Yes, it was. Um, we were doing our podcast, and unfortunately, someone wasn't too pleased with the audio, and that's fine. Well, there was a lot of buses, motorcycles, and car noise. It is on the corner of a very busy intersection. Yes, it was an experiment, and now we know we're not going to do that again, at least in that exact location. That Well, in that spot on the patio. Yes. That is correct. So, uh, anyway... I know you're looking looking forward to the noises of the buses, the people talking in the background, <laughs> the birds chirping. But I did want to get the music this playing. I did want to get this out. Of course, yeah, because so we, we, we still have to entertain the people. Yes. And it's about the people. Alrighty, okay. So now are we ready to get into our little Simulese Liberation Army? Yes. Let's do this. Okay. So after the just a quick recap of the episode prior. Okay, we already they already did the the bank heist. They already did their communique, and of course uh, they were able to get that family pretending to be Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes. Okay, and then of course DeFries was not happy with the situation they were at uh, because uh, even though the apartment was larger, they were still in an all black neighborhood for the most part, and of course there's eight white people, so they stick out like sore thumbs. Yes. Alrighty, of course, what does he say? We're, he announced we're moving to Los Angeles. Alrighty, so let's talk about the move to Los Angeles. Now, since they had three vehicles, uh, DeFries divided up the group uh, three to a van. Avoiding the I-5 freeway, they drove down Highway 99 through Central Valley at night. Now, carefully, obviously, uh, carefully obeying the speed limits, very smart, uh, they, looked, they uh, took turns driving through the night. Now, when they arrived in L.A., DeFries and Nancy Ling found a house to rent. Now, she came back with a uh, huh, dilip, dilapidated, is the word I'm looking for, a house in the poorest neighborhood with no electricity or no hot water. Mmm, there's an upgrade. Uh, the group realized that they were spiraling down in their accommodations with each move they made. Now, with the appliance, without appliances, uh, they regulated to uh, eat cold canned food, delicious, military, military drills, fun, calisthenics, and knife-fighting instructions to fill their days. That's what I'm talking about. Now, the three-person the the three team they established on their move to San Francisco to L.A. were still intact. Now, Patricia was with Bill and Emily Harris. DeFries wanted them to buy heavy clothing for the group. At first, Ms. Moon objected to them taking Patricia with them because she was too weak and recognizable. Now, the Harrises made the argument that they were uh, comrades and they should stay together. They trusted Patricia, also known as Tanya, also stated that uh, she would back them up if necessary. Now, of course, DeFries overrode Ms. Moon, uh, overrode her doubts, and, she just, and he decided to let them go. So shortly before 4 p.m. on May 16, 1974, Patricia and the Harrises drove a red and white Volkswagen bus on errands in the city of Inglewood. In the van, there was an envelope with cash to pay a parking ticket. Mm. This would later launch the authorities to discover their hiding place. After shopping at several stores for supplies of clothing and sundry items, they stopped at Mel's Sporting Goods. Bill and Emily went in while Patricia stayed in the van. They picked out warm clothing and were going to the register to purchase them when Bill Harris decided to hide a bandolier, that's a shoulder belt with loops or pockets for cartridges, in his pocket. So he's shoplifting. Mm. 
The store security officer noticed it and prepared to apprehend Bill as soon as he left the store. Bill walked out, and the security officer asked him to step back inside the store. Harris did not want to be detained and frisked, so he ran away. The security officer tackled him, and Emily jumped on the security officer to pull him off Bill. A store employee and a passerby joined in the pile. When Bill reached for his gun, someone yelled, He has a gun! And meanwhile, in the van, Patricia was reading a newspaper Bill had bought earlier in the day. Now, she had the curtains in the van closed. Now, she was wondering what, what was taking too long, or what was taking so long. And she opened up the curtains to see that there was a human pileup in front of the store. She jumped into action and grabbed the largest gun at her fingertips. It was Bill's submachine gun. She fired off rounds towards the store and blasted the plate of glass windows where the bullets had entered the store. She barely missed Bill Harris's head and the spray of bullets with a spray of bullets and fired into a, uh, the divider in the middle of the street. Now, when the machine gun was depleted of ammunition, she picked up her own weapon, a semi-automatic M1 carbon rifle. Uh, she managed to get three more rounds off trying to free her comrades. Now, Bill and Emily reached in the van and took off as quickly as the VW van would allow them. Yeah, there's a fast car. <laughs> uh, the security officer was in his own car in pursuit of them. Smart. Well, now, this security officer was also studying to be a police officer. That's a lot of hubris there, my man. Uh, so Bill was uh, blowing through the, the spotlights, uh, trying to shake off the security officer's chase. Finally, Bill just stopped his van, got out with a gun, and guess what the officer did? He stopped a few yards back and soon realized he was outgunned. So he left. The trio then proceeded to carjack several cars at gunpoint, transferring the guns and ammo as they went. They finally decided this was just going to lead a trail for the police to follow, so they needed to figure something else out. They now were in Linwood and happened to see a for sale sign on a Ford Econoline van. The address was right where they were, so they went to buy the van. The van was owned by a high school student. The student agreed they could test ride the car, but he went with them. During the ride, Bill Harris told them they were the SLA and needed to use his van. The kid was frightened when he was threatened with the gun Bill had, but said they could use his van as long as he did not get shot. As they drove around, the kid revealed he was a baseball player and had a game that afternoon he wanted to play. Bill Harris liked baseball, so they group bonded with them and started asking him about his team. When the kid was feeling more comfortable with them, Bill asked him if he knew where they could get a tool to cut off the handcuff that he had on his wrist from the security officer at Mel's Sporting Goods. Finally, they located a tool that they could cut off the handcuff and which the kid helped them do successfully. Mm, now, the police found the parking ticket in the, v uh, in the VW van shortly after the shootout at Mill Sporting Goods. Now, the ticket identified the address of the house the SLA were hiding. Smart. In the addition to the gun Bill Harris dropped was registered to Emily Harris, and the witnesses to the carjacking stated that they identified themselves as the SLA. Now, of course, Bill, of course, this led the police right to the house to the rest of them where they were all in. It was assumed by Bill, Emily, and Patricia that their comrades have already left the house on 84th Street and activated the backup plan. Well, DeFreeze had 
put the backup plan into motion in case they got separated. They would meet up at Century Drive-In in Inglewood at midnight, place a cup over the speaker stand to indicate which car that they were in. Now, Bill, Emily, and Patricia, and the kid were there waiting for the rest to show up. When they did not show up, they left. Drove around the Hollywood Hills and Mulholland Drive, then finally stopped a few hours to sleep in a secluded spot. Once again, they needed a different car so they could let the kid go to the baseball game that day. Emily and Patricia flagged down a man driving a late model Lincoln Continental, and they said they wanted to be taken to Las Vegas. Bill came up from behind with a gun and made the man get into the back seat. Still not feeling safe, they looked in the want ads for a cheap car to buy. They found a Plymouth Valiant for $250 and let the owner of the Lincoln Continental go. The news broadcast the 84th Street house had been raided, but none of the SLA members were there. The three of them were relieved, but did not have a clue where the others were or how to get in touch. Emily Harris had the idea to go down to Disneyland in Anaheim because when working there one summer, she remembered there were motels directly across the street from the park. She thought they could blend in with the tourists there. This was May 17, 1974. After checking in, they turned on the TV. All righty. So, of course, this is going on. What do you think is happening? Police activity, right? Mm. Mm. So even though in the 84th Street house, Ray did not produce any SLA members, the LAPD found evidence there were nine people living there. Now, word came back to, back to them that there were two vans associated with the house. Now, the patrol officer decided to look in an alleyway about five miles away where stolen cars were often dumped. They discovered two vans matching descriptions parked there. Plain clothes officers cased the area and narrowed down four houses as possible hideouts. Now, in the meantime, the LAPD and now the FBI uh, were having their own battle over jurisdiction over the matter. Now, in the end, the LAPD head of SWAT, Daryl Gates, ooh, that guy, that sounds familiar. Daryl Gates overcame the territory war and ordered the two elite sw units of SWAT officers, totaling 17 men, backed up by more than 200 other police personnel to assemble a staging area near 50, 53rd Street in await for their orders. Now, alongside of the police actions, the news media was scrambling to get the lead on the SLA in L.A. story. Now, KNXT News was an innovative piece of technology called the Minicam. Now, it was a portable camera with a microwave transmitter attached to the top of a small truck. Now, this allowed live-action broadcasting. Normally, news teams would film an event, rush it back to the studio, develop the film, and edit before showing it on TV. Now, the shootout at Mel Sporting Goods being the prior day and the trail of stolen hijacked cars had everyone obsessed with the questions. Where is Patty? Where was Patty Hearst? Was she one of the SLA members doing these crimes? Leads were coming in from all over the area. KNXT was gearing up to cover what they felt was going to be one of the biggest news stories in a long time. Mm -hmm. A person associated with KNXT happened to live in the Hollywood Hills near the crossroads of radio transmissions in Los Angeles. He is what we know now today as a hacker. He was able to track confidential police radio transmissions, which allowed KNXT to shadow the police movements. 
KNXT was able to find out through these intercepted radio transmissions the police were converging on a house near 54th Street and Compton Avenue. Bill Diaz, a 32-year-old correspondent for KNXT, wanted to take the minicam to cover the arrival of the Symbionese Liberation Army to Los Angeles. When he arrived with the minicam, he observed a house at 1466 East 54th Street was surrounded. He quickly took his microphone and started winding his way around buildings to get as close to the scene as possible. He was able to set up an alleyway so the camera could be looking at him and showing the house behind him as they were transmitting the picture back to the station. A problem arose when the KNBC news truck arrived. Having an old-fashioned live TV truck that was used for sporting and political events, and because they had arrived on the scene later than KNXT, they could not get a clear picture of the house. In addition, their signal was blocking the minicam signal, which bounced off Mount Wilson Tower. This was a journalistic standoff. Mm. After some negotiations between KNXT and KNBC, it was agreed that KNXT would share its live feed with KNBC and K, uh, KABC. And KNBC would share news helicopters feed with KNXT. Mm. An unprecedented news event happened that day. In less than an hour, the feed had gone nationwide live. This had never happened before. A news event was being broadcast live without cable being laid and pre-planned. Mm, so that's pretty much now everything is live feed. So Yes. This is the first, ladies and gentlemen, the first SLA. Alrighty, so let's see what the SLA were doing during this time. Now back, now back to what was going on before the SLA in the 84th Street house, uh, before everything went down. DeFreeze uh, and company heard about Mel Sporting Goods shooting on the radio in May 16th. Now he immediately ordered an evacuation. They packed up what they could, uh, leaving a lot behind. Now it was after midnight, so they. So the backup plan was to meet the Harrisons and Patricia at the course of Century Drive-In, but it, w but it was too late. They had no contacts and nowhere to go. They drove around South Central Los Angeles with uh, two of the remaining vans uh, late into the night. Now, seeing that the light was on the house that they passed by, DeFree stopped and knocked on the door of uh, 1466 East 54th Street. Now, it was 4 a.m. Now, this house had people coming in and out all the time it was considered a flop house or we know as a trap house now he knocked on the door introducing himself as sin q and uh said that he needed help he he said he had some white friends who needed to stay somewhere for a few hours and offered him a hundred dollars to stay they accepted the offer then he introduced himself he introduced his friends as soldiers of the SLA. Now, unloading the substantial weapons and ammunition into the house, they had more than 12 guns with 4,000 rounds of ammunition. A significant amount of their stash was left at the previous house. So if you don't think that's a lot, imagine what they had actually at the house. Oh, and that, that doesn't count what the Harrises and Patricia had. Oh, and inside their van. Good point. Now, together, or, well, whatever vehicle they're running around now, uh, together, the bandoliers of ammunition, cardboard boxes of documents, suitcases, and sleeping bags. Now, most of the people in the house were either on drugs or drunk. So DeFries introduced himself 
as sin from the SLA, and he asked a couple to buy a car for him and give them $500. But guess what? They never returned. They were chil- there, were, there were children in the house, and DeFries told an 11-year-old boy he better hide in the bathtub if he did not want to get killed. Instead, the boy just ran out the back door. Now, the house became a tourist attraction with people coming in and out just to see the SLA. About 12 hours later, Minnie Carr, a grandmother, came to find her grandchildren. Hearing the SLA were in the house, she wanted to get them out before the violence ensued. She saw the SLA women making bombs in a bedroom and Mm. challenged DeFreeze of the danger this put everyone in. DeFreeze told her black people need to stick together. Minnie would have none of the revolution (laughs) talk. She grabbed her children and walked over to the police command station on Compton Boulevard and let them know where the SLA were holed up. Mm. Because Minnie Carr miscounted which house the SLA were in, one of the LAPD sergeants who was leading a team of officers going to the front door of the house wound up trapped behind a stone wall. He could hear DeFreeze instructing his followers, We are not going to surrender. We are going to fight to the death. Furniture was moved around to block windows and doors. At 5.44 p.m., the sergeant gave the order to start calling to them through the bullhorn. Occupants of 1466 East 54th Street, this is the Los Angeles Police Department speaking. Come out with your hands up. Comply immediately and you will not be harmed. No response. After the second announcement, an 8-year-old boy came out of the house. The boy told the police that there were two men and four white women all heavily armed in the house. Next out was an elderly man. After 18 announcements in nine minutes, all were met with silence. Alrighty. So now, of course, you have our little, the Harrises and Patricia watching this now live on TV. So just imagine what they're going through in their minds. Wow. Right? You're just like, uh, okay. This will be fun. Let's find out what they were doing in Anaheim. Now, Patricia hid uh, in the back seat while the Harrises checked into a motel across the street from Disneyland. When they saw their room, it looked awesome to them. Clean sheets, a shower with hot water, no trash, and a color TV. That's what I'm talking about. Luxury at its finest. Now, uh, as the Harrises and Patricia drove down Anaheim, they heard that the police that heard on the radio that the police had uh, surrounded the SLA. After checking into the motel across the street from Disneyland, they turned on the television, and it was just as the siege was starting to happen. Now, initially, they thought it was just the 84th Street house, but then realized it was a different house. They were about to catch the live broadcast of the final conclusion of their comrades. So, yeah, during this time, my husband and I lived, in Anaheim, mm-hmm. we still do, but we lived in Anaheim near Disneyland. Yeah, a couple blocks away. Yes, yeah, so um, we figure, I figure we were less than a mile from them. Easily, yeah. At that exact moment, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And also, we were hearing what was going on on the radio in our car at the time. I don't know where we were going, but we were in the car listening to it. We immediately went home. Turned on the TV, and we might have been turning on the TV just about the same time they were. It's crazy. And then we were just, I mean, within shouting distance. That's eerie, isn't it? It is eerie. All righty. Well, after 18 announcements to leave the house at 5.53 p.m., 
The decision was made by the LAPD to fire two tear gas projectiles through the side of the window of the house. Now, the gas was flowing into the house. Suddenly, automatic weapons began firing from the house. The biggest gunfire with the police but was... Uh, let me say this again. The biggest police gunfire battle ever to take place on American soil had just begun, and it was actually live on television. The SLA members did not leave the house after the tear gas was lobbed in. It was because they had military-grade gas masks on. Mm. By 6 p.m., SWAT was running out of ammunition. The FBI, who was standing ready at the Compton Street Command Station, volunteered to give SWAT what they had. Unfortunately, the FBI gas canisters did not fit into the SWAT team launcher. <laughs> they were then given permission to set up across the street from the house where they launched 16 canisters into the house and about 60 rounds of regular ammunition. That's excessive. This had no effect on the gunfire coming from the SLA. That's crazy. The authorities were getting worried the SLA may come out of the house shooting and start hitting civilians nearby. Mm. At this time, there were about 4,000 people converging on the scene to get a look. A suggestion was to obtain fragmentation grenades which is a weapon that sends metal shards flying in all directions upon detonation. Mm. Fortunately, LAPD did not have any. Mm. The shooting went on, and by 6.30 p.m., one of the SWAT officers climbed a roof on the house next door. After almost getting shot, he saw three women who had refused to leave earlier laying on the floor. The officer went to the window and lifted them out one by one. Three dogs were running around, and one woman shouted, Don't leave my dogs behind. The police were not able to risk their lives to save the animals. Now, after one hour, the things looked like they were not going to die down at all. So they decided to use a different type of tear gas canister, more toxic and flammable than the first ones. Right away, black... Smoke. Smoke came from the window... In the back of the house, the police stopped shooting and made another announcement. Come out. The house is on fire. You will not be harmed. Now, at 6.45 p.m., a woman who had been so drunk, this is kind of funny, uh, so drunk that she slept through the whole entire shooting, stumbling out after being awakened by the bed catching on fire. And she was out. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a long time. Now, even... With the smoke and fire, the with the smoke and fire, the gunfire did still continue. Now, after uh, announcement was made that the SLA to come out of the house at 6:47 p.m., the response was more gunfire. In the SLA training drills during the last few months, one of the strategies they practiced was stationing themselves in a crawl space under the house. This they did by removing the heater grade on the door and. From under the house, firing out of the air vents. Now, to freeze Ms. Moon, Nancy Ling knew they would be eventually lose their lives because of the Marcus Foster assassination. So they uh, never would imagine from their recent past in their lives that they would end in an inferno. Now, to freeze a low-level criminal, Ms. Moon, a person who hung out in the library, Nancy Ling, a drug-addicted topless dealer, the other three, Angela Atwood, wanted to be an actress, William Wolfe, an architect, 
and Camilla Hall, a poet growing flowers in a Berkeley park. By 6.50 p.m., the smoke coming out of the house was so thick nothing could be seen. The SWAT officers at the back of the house saw the first SLA members come out of the house via the small space the dogs used to get out of the summer sun. It was Nancy Ling. She rose from a crouching position and aimed her gun at the police officers. She was fired on immediately by seven bullets, which two of them fatally wounded her in her back. Camilla Hall came out of the space next, two guns in her hands. She did not get all the way out before a bullet hit her, shattered her skull, and she fell flat. Her comrades pulled her back by her legs under the house. At 6.58 p.m., the wall and roof of the house collapsed. The unused ammunition was popping off. Then the guns were silent. By 7.02 p.m., the police decided it was safe enough for the firefighters to extinguish the flames. Not a single wall in the house was standing. Now, of course, back in Anaheim, Bill and Emily and Patricia were watching the whole thing go down, cheering them when the gunfire was being returned, ultimately at the end, they were devastated. Bill blamed himself for starting the ball rolling for the shoplifting on the bandolier. Initially, he wanted them to go to the house on East 54th Street, attack the police from the rear of the house, and allow their comrades to escape. But Emily stated it would be futile and they would be killed also. She tried to comfort her husband by saying that they would live to fight another day. Now, Patricia, she went into the bathroom and uh, felt her life as she knew it as far as her path was as being an urban uh, being an urban gorilla and there was no turning back so the police were out to shoot her on site just as they did her SLA comrades now Emily talked her out of the bathroom where they watched the aftermath of the shooting on 84th Street now the question on everyone's mind was was Patty Hearst in that house is she dead the only people who knew for sure were in the motel room by Disneyland. In the end, the following was the report of the investigation of the incident. Hmm. SWAT team fired more than 5,300 rounds of ammunition <sighs> in a little more than an hour of fighting. Hmm. The police used 83 tear gas canisters. Hmm. The number of rounds the SLA used was hurt hard to determine, but it was between two and 3,000 rounds. Hmm. Fire department could not pinpoint the cause of the fire, but it appeared the tear gas played an important role. In addition to the house at 1466 East 54th Street being destroyed, 23 homes in the area were damaged. The houses on either side were burned to the ground. Three dogs next door were killed in the fire. No officers were, and there was only a handful of suffered minor injuries. Now, the SLA member died is the following. Nancy Ling and Camilla Hall, they were killed by the police. Now, Angela Atwood, William Wolf, and Ms. Moon, now they died of burns and smoke inhalation. Now, here's the interesting one. Donald DeFries died of a bullet wound to the temple of the head. The authorities were unsure whether it was from his own gun or a police round that hit him. Initially, five bodies were removed from the house, and the next morning, they found the sixth body, which was Camilla Hall. Patricia was not in the house. Patricia was not dead. But where was she? Wow. That is an adventure. That's a lot. What a terrible way to die. 
Well, they knew they were going to go that way. I believe they were going to they were going to fight to the death. Uh, here, here's the thing. We've gone through a ma majority of these, you know, these cults. If you want to, you know, uh, this, you know, does pretty much register as one. Um, notice the the leader always kills himself. Yeah, I I would probably think that he did kill himself. Yeah. Because to the temple, I mean. Well, they just, they couldn't prove it. So that's why the it's still, they didn't want to say either way. Right. But, I mean, just imagine, I mean, you, you take a look at the the uh, the extreme that these people went to. Just like we said before, you know, one was, you know, reading poetry and growing flowers. The other one was an architect. I mean, you know, it. Many different walks of life, all of them having, uh, uh, for the most part, minus the topless card dealer, um, you know, had it come from really good, solid families. Well, they all did. Actually, they Actually all did, did yes. minus DeFreeze. Correct. You know, and they were able to be manipulated, I guess you could say. Yes, they were able to be man manipulated by DeFreeze into this military group. Right. It's just, it's just strange. That, you know, it's just, uh, this one makes not a lot of sense. A lot of them don't make sense. This one really is a head-scratcher. Well, you know, um, so we're going to go on next next time. Yes. And we're going to talk about what happened to the Harrises and, and Patricia after all this. Yes. Because obviously there is a story to that. Oh, yes. And then I would like to... Do a little more on our wrap-up show of the mentality of what was going on in those days and stuff. So I'm not sure if I'll ever get those answers, uh, you know, for yeah, you no. as far as what would allow these people to well, I don't, be I, in this extreme. Well, I mean, the same thing with the Alamo Foundation, same with the, the, the Rajneesh, same with, you know, the People's Temple. I mean, we can go on and on and on about the people we've covered, but still, it, it's, just, it, it's just shocking to see what... You know the 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 lengths of how people will go as far as their belief system goes. Well, now so let's just. Fr I mean, in today's date, it's uh, you know the ISIS fighters. They yeah. would leave you know, the United States and they would go over there. They would get listen to the rhetoric on the, um, the internet and they would m find their way over there. Right. And do crazy things in a way like these violence right. and have violence on themselves even these women and you know so i guess there's some kind of mind bending things that happen in our psyche right well another topic for another time yes all right well that closes our uh yes, part, five. part five of our uh, uh road down to the simulation liberation army and on that note good night holly okay.